great tribulation will you be in it? I like to say that this is quite a big subject and a very lengthy one. In fact, it will take me three sermons to explain it in detail. But I'm going to try to cover most of it tonight as much as I can about the Great Tribulation. As I hear on television and radio speakers talking about the Great Tribulation and what they feel is going to happen and the doctrines that I hear. And then, as I told you last night, that I compare everything with the Holy Bible. And I want you to do the same with me. I don't want you to take my words and I don't want you to just take what I have to say because what I have to say or what another preacher has to say doesn't matter at all. It is what thus says the Lord. What does the Bible has to say or have to say about a certain subject? Whatever it is. And if the Bible is clear and we believe the Bible, then we do according to what Jesus uh, said in Mark uh, and also Matthew, rather, chapter 4 and verse 4, when he said to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so it doesn't matter what I say or what anybody says, it is what comes out of the mouth of God and the word of God that really counts. As I have heard these various doctrines of the Great Tribulation, I'm going to tell you exactly the way I hear the explanation, and I call it the theory, their theory, of the Tribulation time. And I'm going to now show you what the most of the religious people that I've heard, that they believe on the Tribulation, or the way they believe it, and then I'm going to show you what the Bible has to say, and you be the judge. You compare with the Bible, and you uh, make up your mind, and if you, have, if you find truth, by all means, follow the truth. Don't follow a man, don't follow an organization, don't follow a building, because there's a building there you go to. It is not a man, it is not an organization, it is not a building that is going to save you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth. Amen? Let me show you now the way the tribulation is proposed to us. I hope everybody can see this all right now because we moved the screen back. Can everybody see it? I hope so. Now, the tribulation period starts right, right here. But before the tribulation, before the tribulation starts, the saints are raptured up into heaven. The saints are raptured, and this is why I have saints raptured up at the second coming of Christ. When Christ comes a second time, they say he will not come to the earth. He will just float around the air, and while he floats up there, he's going to rapture the saints, and they're going to be up in heaven for some say three and a half years, or seven years. During this period of time, three and a half years, or seven years, I've heard both sides, that the tribulation will be going on here, 
And while the saints are being uh, taken care of up in heaven, the tribulation will be going on here, and all the peoples of the earth that are not saints or Christians are going to go through the tribulation time, and then the Antichrist will also come during that time, and he will rule. The Antichrist will rule, and he's going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to restore the temple service, and he's going to deceive the Jews in Jerusalem. That's the Antichrist when he rules. Now, I'm showing to you exactly as I hear the, and in fact, I have read much literature about the tribulation and the rapture of the saints. Then, at the third coming of Christ, at the third coming of Christ, he comes down to the earth. And he comes down with the saints, and then that's the end of the tribulation, and then Christ begins to reign from here on. And I don't know whether it's a thousand years or whatever time they say, but uh, I've heard him say that he's going to reign for a thousand years. Now this is the way it is pictured to us. We are told that this is the way the Bible expounds it and, and tells us about the tribulation time. Now, you are going to be the judge tonight whether this is right or whether this is wrong. Now I have what I believe the Bible has the truth and other preachers also preach, but it is up to us as individual Christians for us to really want to find out what is the truth of God. Are the saints going to be raptured up to heaven? Is there going to be a secret rapture? Is there going to be such a thing as a secret rapture? And you're going to fly out to the sky and you're going to be up there secretly and all of a sudden your brother or sister or friend or neighbor is gone and, and out you go and uh, you're up there in the blue sky with the Lord and while you're, the people are on earth they're going to be suffering all these terrible things that are going to occur and so on. Well we're led to believe that. But I want you to know that that is not and I'm going to be very blunt and frank about it. This is not what the Bible teaches. And I hope tonight that you have come here with an open heart and mind and ask God to lead you with the Holy Spirit that whether if this is true, accept it, or whether I have to present to you, accept what I have to tell you and the Bible tells you, not just what I say. Now, me or this cannot be right. Either I am wrong, and that's right, or that's right, or I'm wrong, whatever the case might be. Let's turn to the Bible now, and I want you to turn to your Bibles, because that's the most important thing. In Matthew chapter 24, and I believe that the great confusion about the tribulation is the fact that a lot of so-called theologians and Christians and those that expound and, pro and, and propose the Bible to us are not able to discern or to, de or to actually really understand Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter 21, which are the same chapters talking about the same thing, because it speaks of two tribulations. Matthew 24 speaks of two tribulations. Two of them, not only one, but two of them. The first tribulation 
was to occur, and it did occur, to the Jews when their temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And that was a prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, and uh, way back there, beginning in verse 27, and verse 24, through verse 27. I want you to write these scriptures down. I want you to check them over. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, concerning the 70 weeks. And 70 weeks were appointed unto the Jews, unto the coming of the Messiah. And then it tells right there in verse 27 that, that this prince would come and would destroy the temple and would make it desolate. Now that happened already in 70 AD and in Matthew 24, the Lord says here in verse 15, Matthew 24 and verse 15, speaking about what Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 9. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then he goes on to tell us about what was going to happen to Jerusalem. Now that already happened in 70 AD, Titus, the Roman uh, general and ruler at that time, he came and he burned down the walls of Jerusalem. He burned the city of Jerusalem and the Jews were driven out as Jesus predicted that they would. And the Jews were driven out, dispersed to the whole face of the earth. Because of their disobedience and not accepting the gospel of the kingdom, they were driven out. And their beloved city, Jerusalem, were destroyed. But the main thing that was destroyed was the glorious temple. And since that time, since Titus burned the temple to this very day, the temple has not been rebuilt. Now, according to the tribulation doctrine that we have in the world, is that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and he's going to deceive the Jews and so on. And he, at the same time, the saints are up in heaven during the three and a half years or seven years. Now, I've been able to pin anybody down as to whether there are really three and a half years or seven years, but it's all taken from scriptures here and there out of context that uh, if you are really interested and you are a Bible uh, student, you will know the very truth that what they are telling you is not really what the Bible says. Let's turn to right here to Matthew chapter 24, and we read beginning in verse 30, uh, uh, 29. Matthew 24, beginning at verse 29. Now notice this is the second tribulation recorded here in Matthew chapter 24. This is the second tribulation, and I want you to underline some, well, one word that I'm going to emphasize here. And I'm going to read from Matthew 24, beginning in verse 29. If you have your Bible, read it with me. It says like this, immediately after, and I want you to underline the word after, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Notice what's going to happen immediately after the tribulation. 
Then in verse 30, he continues on with the same context. And he says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now notice what he's going to do after the tribulation and not before. This is what your Bible says. Verse 31, it says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now how much plainer do you want the Bible to tell you about the tribulation and where are you going to be during the tribulation? The Bible tells me here that after the tribulation, when the, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and all the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, after all this great phenomenon that the, the Lord is going to bring upon the earth, and it says that then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven during this dark period of time. And all the time, the saints are right here. They're not being raptured out nowhere. The saints are right here on the planet earth. Because in verse 31, he says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So then where are we going to be during the tribulation? We're going to be right here on this planet. We are not leaving. And I'm going to show you scriptures tonight to prove to you that we are not going anywhere. You say, well, what about 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians. We're going to read that in just a moment. But let's go to Mark chapter 13 and beginning in verse 24. Now Mark is explaining identical words to Matthew. In Mark 13, beginning in verse 24, we read through verse 27, and notice the wording here. It says, But in those days, after that tribulation, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Verse 26 says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Verse 27, And then shall he send his angels, and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. So then what does your Bible say? What is the Bible truth about the tribulation time? Now I believe that there is going to be such a thing as a tribulation. The Bible tells us so. There is going to be a tribulation time. But what is a tribulation? Is it really true that the Antichrist comes during that time of the tribulation and he goes out and deceives the Jews? And by the way, who is the Antichrist that the Bible speaks about in Matthew, well, all the way through, beginning in Matthew and then going on to Revelation 13 about the beast power that, that uh, speaks blasphemies and about the woman riding the beast, Revelation chapter 17, and about this great man of sin, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
where he speaks about the man of sin, the son of perdition, to be revealed in the last days. Now, who is that? Who is that Antichrist? You know, a lot of people are so blind that you can, they can see it on television, they can see it all the time. They're so blind, and, and in fact, I've noticed a lot of the Protestant churches, and uh, in fact, our own presidents, our own hierarchies, they all go to this man, which is no one else but the Pope of Rome, believe it or not. The Pope of Rome is the Antichrist. He is the one, but he is not going to go to Jerusalem to reign there for seven years. The Pope of Rome is the one that, that goes all over the world. I saw him just recently, where the Pope of Rome and Arafat, the leader of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, where the Pope and Arafat were shaking hands together. It came out in Time Magazine just recently. And uh, the great Antichrist that has been from way down, way back in 321 AD, the popes of Rome all the way through blaspheming against God, and the whole world bows to one man, and that is nothing else but the Pope of Rome. He is the son of, of perdition of second, second Thessalonians chapter 2. He is the man of sin, the one that's going to be revealed, the one that the whole world worships. And everywhere he goes. Now, recently I saw him on television where he landed in Spain. And he landed there and, and as he got off the plane, he kissed the ground and the red carpet was there and all the Spaniards, Viva Papa! Viva Papa! And he went to Argentina during the war. Over there, when Argentina and the British were fighting, he went over there and he kind of stopped the war and, and Viva Papa! Viva Papa! Maybe you don't know what that means. Long live the Pope, the Father. Long live the Father. You know, it is really surprising how that so many all Christian people do not realize who the Pope really is and what the Catholic Church has done to the religious world. Now, I don't know that the Catholic Church believes in such a thing as a tribulation. Now I know for a fact that, uh, that they don't teach that because I was a Roman Catholic for many years. The Catholic Church believed that when you die, you go to hell, burning, sizzling hellfire, if you are wicked, or if you are in between not too righteous or too wicked, you go to a place called purgatory, and there you are, sizzling and frying for just a little while, and through many masses, and paying the popes and the priests, you can get out of there and finally get out of that place of, of uh, purgatory, which means purging out. Or if you are a good person, when you have lived a good Catholic life, you go straight up to heaven when you die, and there you are in the bosom of the Father and in the bosom of the Virgin Mary. And we have a lot of churches that believe almost exactly like that. Maybe not purgatory, maybe not praying to idols and the saints, but they believe almost identical. But the Catholic Church does not teach this tribulation doctrine at all. In fact, I don't even hear any, any preaching about that in the Catholic Church. I hear it most around the Protestant churches. 
And here in the Bible, it has told us that after the tribulation of those days. Now, how long that tribulation will last, we do not know. The three and a half years or seven years are only suppositions, presumptuous uh, doctrines of, of men that they have come up with three and a half years or seven years. And because there are seven plagues that are involved, they say, well, every year it's going to be seven years, seven plagues. And so it's going to be seven years of tribulation time. Now, there is no Bible to prove that. And I want you to go home. If you don't believe me, I want you to go home and I want you to challenge your preacher. I want you to challenge the preacher or challenge me if you want to. I can sit down with you and I can study the Bible if you want to, and I'll be glad to show you many verses of the Bible that, that uh, I cannot explain in one short time here at 45 minutes or even an hour. Let's go to second or first Thessalonians rather, chapter four. Now this is one of the pet scriptures that is used by the secret rapture theory doctrine or the preacher that uses first Thessalonians chapter 4 where the apostle Paul is speaking about the saints being caught up now I believe exactly as this chapter reveals to us but I also believe that this also is very plain and let me tell you that I am not Anglo-Saxon I am Spanish my first language was Spanish, and I had to learn English when I first started the first grade. I had to learn English. Now, this was not in old Mexico. This was in New Mexico, right here in this country, believe it or not. Now, if I am not an Anglo-Saxon, and you know English better than I do, I believe that you should know also the English Bible better than I do. Because I also know the Spanish Bible. I preach in Spanish, I sing in Spanish, and, and I have been in the radio in Spanish also, and, and I can speak Spanish fluently like I, I can also probably speak better than English. This is why some people tell me that I talk kind of funny, because they say, you sound funny when you talk. You have a little accent. In fact, a lady here told me recently, right here at the Oscars, Shawnee, I went to a little store. She said, uh, you know, you sound like you're from New York. <laughs> I said, New York? <laughs> if I would have said, I live on Toit Street or Toit Toit Avenue, maybe she would have had something to say about living in New York, in Brooklyn, New York, in the Bronx. I said, lady, I, I was born in New Mexico. I now live in Oregon. Where she got the idea, but I know how she got it because of my accent. And I'm not ashamed of it, really. I'm not ashamed of my accent. Because I, well, there's something that, that I have and I can't take it away. But I believe that I, I try to make myself as clear as possible and, and uh, enunciate the English as clear as possible so you will know exactly what I'm saying. First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's begin reading. Beginning in verse 14, notice what the Apostle Paul writes. It says like this, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep 
In Jesus will God bring with him. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, notice this, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Does that sound like a secret rapture to you? He's coming there with a, with a shout, he says, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall what? Shall rise first. This is what your Bible says. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain, that is, remain unto the second coming of Christ, not the third coming, but unto the second coming of Christ, which remain shall be cut up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now we take it from here, we're going to meet him in the air, so we're going to remain in the air. Now I don't think the Bible tells us that we're going to be cut up to the air and remain up in the air. I believe that he's going to gather his saints because I already read it, from Matthew 24 and Mark 13, as I read it to you, that he will send his angels out and he will gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. He's going to gather them like a magnet, gather them up to the sky, yes. But we're not going to remain there. The Lord is coming to touch this planet Earth and to set up his kingdom right here on this earth. This also, this theory and doctrine that you're going to go up to heaven and all the songs, when we all get to heaven, and all these other things. You know what? There isn't a single text in the Bible that tells you that, you, that you're going to heaven. I had to really unlearn, believe me, I learned a lot of things in the Catholic Church. And when I became a Christian, and I began to study the Word of God, I had to unlearn a lot of false doctrines that I was, that was taught in the Catholic Church. And I began to go to this Protestant church and this Protestant church, and I began to realize that all of these Protestants were doing almost exactly what the Catholic Church tells them to do. And they bow to El Papa, the Pope of Rome. But I'm not going to bow to no Papa or nobody else. I'm going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is my Savior. Now here in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, as I have already Read to you, the Lord is coming with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and that is not a secret rapture. And I believe that the Lord is coming back the second time, not the third or the fourth or any other time. He's coming back the second time. You want to, want to read it in the Bible? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we read... Verse 28, and I challenge you to find a text that says that Christ is coming back the third time. But I can show you scripture where he's coming back the second time. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, notice what your Bible says. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear when? The second time, it says, without sin unto salvation. He shall appear the second time. But there is nowhere in the Bible. 
Now, if this tribulation doctrine is true, then he's coming back the third time. Because the second time he comes and he floats up in the sky and he gathers all the saints up there in the secret rapture and then they're up there during the tribulation time and then they, after that he comes down to the earth, that's the third coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's coming back the second time. Now what is the tribulation anyway? What is this tribulation that is going to happen? And why are we going to be here? Why do I say that we're going to be right here on this planet Earth? For the simple reason that I don't think that God has to take us away into the blue sky or anywhere to be protected by his mighty power. I believe that God can protect us wherever we're at. And the Bible tells us that. I believe that this tribulation, it is called in the Bible, the wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming to this world. And I'll tell you why. Because this world has become so wicked, like in the days of Noah, back in Genesis chapter 6. Like in the days of Noah, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wives. And then they began to corrupt themselves. And wickedness was great upon the earth and corruption. And God looked upon the earth and he had to destroy all those wicked people. Jesus predicted that like it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when he would come back. And the wrath of God is going to be poured upon this earth because most peoples of this world do not want to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that you tonight are just a handful. You are the minority of all the peoples in the world that are Christians. You are just a handful of people if you compare all the peoples of the earth. There are millions in Mexico, Central America that I've been there. I've been to South America, all the way up to Brazil, now all the way up to Argentina and Chile, and most of those peoples, including down in Western Europe, and most of those people are Roman Catholics. And if they are not Roman Catholics, then there are Muslims, the Muslim world. This is why they're having such a big battle over there. I'm going to explain to you, perhaps tomorrow night, about why the Jews had to fight recently against the Lebanese and why they had to push them out far away from the homeland of Israel. And what it says here, that Begin, Arafat, and Khomeini, the great showdown. Brethren, I tell you what, the Bible tells us that all the nations will be gathered at Jerusalem. And you know what? They're gathering there already. The United States have sent out how many hundreds and thousands of Marines over there. The French and so many other nations are all over there now in the Middle East. Exactly as the Bible tells us. And here we sit, you know, I said, well, nothing is going on. Every time you read the newspaper, you, you turn to television news, they're telling you all over what the Bible told us here thousands of years ago, sometimes 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Exactly what is happening today. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 14. 
And I'm going to explain to you a little bit about the wrath of God. Because I believe that this tribulation that is coming, it is nothing else but the wrath of God and he's going to pour it upon certain peoples only. And in Revelation 14, beginning at verse 9 through verse 12, notice what it says. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, now who is the beast? Oh, it's supposed to be a man. The beast is the old pagan Roman Empire. The man that rules from this beast power is the Pope of Rome. Worship the beast. If any man worships the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, verse 10 says, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11 says, And the smoke of the torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. In Revelation 14 and verse 12, here is the beautiful verse that tells us of those peoples that are going to, I believe, escape and the reason why. In Revelation 14, 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep nine commandments and the faith of Jesus Christ. Is that what your Bible says? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Let me tell you that what is going to save you and me from the wrath of God, it is keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. That is what's going to save us from the wrath that is coming. And believe me, when the wrath of God will be poured this great tribulation time, the people are going to be tormented. Don't think that we're just going to get five with it. And the Lord said, well, you didn't know any better. Uh, you lived in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And, and uh, you know, everybody out of Oklahoma, they call you Okies, you know. I have my Okie pin. I don't have it with me right now, but I have an Okie. I'm officially an Okie because I have an Okie pin. And I'm not ashamed to be called an Okie if you want to call me one. But because you are in Oklahoma, you might say, well, I'm not going to suffer the wrath of God. He doesn't know that I exist here anyway. God is not interested in little me right here in Shawnee, Oklahoma. After all, look at all the millions of the people. Look at all the people that are doing wrong. Look at all the people all over the world that are so wicked. Look at all the wars. Look at all the terrible things. Those are the ones that are going to receive the wrath of God. Not me, not little me. I don't do nothing wrong. Yes, I don't go to church every Sunday or every Sabbath. I don't really give all my tithe. I really don't support. But I'm really not a bad fellow after all. And so I'm not really bad. And so even if I'm not really a true Christian, 
the Lord is not going to punish me. You better be careful. You better be careful. Let's turn to Revelation 15 and we'll read verses 1 and 2 and notice what it says. Revelation 15 and notice these scriptures that I give them to you about when the wrath of God is being poured where the saints are being protected. And here in Revelation 15 verses 1 and 2 it says and I saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God and I saw as it were as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast which is pagan Rome and the Pope and over his image the Catholic Church and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Verse 3 says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord? And glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. The Bible says also in another verse, it says that every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Whether you are righteous or whether you're wicked, someday we're going to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. But here, when the wrath of God is coming, here the protection is shown right here. That those that are righteous and have escaped the beast power and the image of the beast and have not received the mark of the beast. And the mark, as you know, is 666. And I get tickled at some people that come to me and say, you know what, all the, all the uh, packages you buy in the, the stores and the, everything you buy, cereals and whatever, they have a little lines here in the back, you know, the computers. That's the mark of the beast right there, you see? That's the mark of the beast. This guy was telling me a while back. That's the mark of the beast. That computer thing you have here in all your grocery packages you buy. Another one said the Social Security number is a mark of the beast. Another one said, no, the, the beast power is a big computer to have it. A computer that has everybody's name. And this computer is ready there, and it has everybody's name, and, and he's going to know this is the beast power of the computer. You hear all of this blah, blah, blah going around, but there's no Bible for it. There's no Bible for that. Just a bunch of confusion, that's all it is. And the people, those that are Christians, are swayed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine, and they believe whatever every Tom, Dick, and Harry comes around with. I don't want you to believe me. Never just believe what I have to say, but you believe what your Bible says. And let me say, brother and sister, you better start digging into your Bible and check it to see what it, exactly what it teaches. And when you do that, you're going to find the truth. And don't think that because, because you belong to a certain building, an organization, or you have a good pastor of some kind, that he's going to save you, or that building is going to save you. 
That's not going to save anyone. It is only the truth that shall make you free. John 8.32 says that. He shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you want to read about what is the wrath of God, first of all, I want to show you one verse in Revelation chapter 15. And in the last verse, it says, this time of tribulation or the wrath of God, in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 15, it says, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. See, during this time, what is called the wrath of God, and it is called tribulation also, it is called also affliction. In the Spanish Bible doesn't say tribulacion. Tribulacion is tribulation in Spanish. It says, it says affliction. Affliction. After the affliction of those days, where the peoples of this earth who are wicked, corrupt, ungodly, are going to be punished by God. And not only are they going to be punished, but also they're going to be cast into the lake of fire that will burn them out and annihilate them forever and there shall never be any more. This idea of a burning system in hell, and I used to believe that in the Catholic Church, that when you die, if you're wicked, you go down into a place called hell fire and there you are burning and burning and sizzling and sizzling and, and roasting and screeching and screaming and all the time. You know, then, then also the wicked have eternal life. You know that? If that theory is true, the wicked also have eternal life. But the wicked have eternal life in hell, and the righteous have eternal life in the kingdom. Now, I don't find anywhere in the Bible where the wicked have eternal life. Do you? The wicked have eternal damnation. They do. They're going to be destroyed, but they don't have eternal life. Now let me show you in just closing that we are going to be right here on this planet all the time. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2. We get with this part of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 2. Verses 21 and 22. Proverbs chapter 2. Verses 21 and 22. I want you to write these verses down. And write them and you study them out for yourself. And, and believe what your Bible says. This is what it says. In Proverbs 2 verse 21. For the upright shall dwell in the land. And the perfect shall remain in it. Verse 22. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now to me, this idea of going up to heaven is contrary to what the Bible says. The Bible tells me that the transgressors and the wicked are going to be rooted out of the earth. Because this planet was made for us. In the very beginning, when God created this planet, it was a beautiful 
creation. Everything was good, very good, he says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Everything was very good. He gave dominion to Adam and Eve. But they lost that paradise. They lost that dominion because of disobedience to God's commandments. But the righteous are promised this planet. Now why would God have to destroy this planet and take it to another planet to be in a, up in heaven or another planet if he didn't have the power to cleanse this planet if it was wicked? And he did it one time. During the time of Noah, he cleansed his property. He sure did. He swept it. He cleansed it of all evil, and the wicked were rooted out of it, weren't they? The wicked were destroyed during the time of Noah. And only eight souls were saved in the ark because they were following the ways of God. I believe because of Noah. And so then... They were saved, but the wicked were rooted out. They were cut out from the earth. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 30. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 30. Notice what this verse says, and I want you to underline it. Very carefully underline it, and notice what it says. The righteous shall never be removed. But the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Did you notice that? The righteous, he says here, shall never be removed. And I want you to come back with me with scriptures to tell me and show me where it says, the righteous are going to be removed for three and a half years to heaven or seven years. I want you to show me that scripture. And I'm not pointing to any particular person here tonight. I only want you to go to your preacher and I want you to ask him. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, or if you believe what I'm going to do, go over there and ask and say, I want you to 